because of these things, because we were different, I wasn't, he said, I wasn't someone he could see himself marrying. It was an internal struggle after years of conditioning myself, thinking that, you know, that these things are black and white, as she Mm -hmm. said, and these rules can't be broken. She made me realize that these things aren't as important as having a great friend. Take a girl and a guy, and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple, Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Check us out online at couplesynergy.com and be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couples Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experiences with working with thousands of couples for over 15 years. You know, every day we get to hear intimate details about a couple's celebrations, disappointments, and everyday challenges. We've often wished these stories were shared because we know that we are more similar than different. And so we've created not only an avenue where you can hear about people's intimate lives, but an atmosphere where people come over to our home pub, pour a drink, and share their stories. People like today's guests, Kristen and Ben. How are you guys today? Doing well. Doing well. Thank you very much for joining us on our podcast and agreeing to come on the show. Thanks for having us in your beautiful home. <laughs> Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. In the, in the downstairs pub here. Yeah. Your story is a very interesting one and it aligns with the topic of our podcast today. And that is multicultural relationships, which Jean and I know. A little bit about. A little bit about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but before we get to that, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves? How old are you? What do you guys do for a living? And how long have you guys been together? I'll start. She's nodding at me. (laughs) I'm 34. We've got four kids together, ages 10, nine, almost nine, five, and almost two. We met in Kalamazoo, Michigan at college. I'm from Kalamazoo, so it was kind of a natural thing for me to just go to school in town there. And Kristen came and she'll, she'll talk about this, I'm sure, but she came to school from out of state. We'll get into our story about how we met and stuff, but... What do you do for a living? I'm a civil engineer. I work for a consulting, engineering consultant firm, and we do highway design and construction engineering. Cool. Yeah, I know you had a in-depth conversation with our son who's in engineering right now. Yeah, about, that's right. Yeah, I think he was telling us was the, the highways in Houston. Yeah, I think you were giving him some, some pointers about that. Or, yeah. That's pretty cool. (laughs) And what about you? I am also 34. I'm from Lake Zurich, so close to here. Yeah, like Ben said, we have four kids. We met our freshman year of college. So we've been together now for 15 years, married for 12 tomorrow. Tomorrow's your anniversary. (laughs) Yes. Happy anniversary. Thank Thank you. 12 years. And I am, I'm in outside sales for an analytical testing lab for like pharmaceuticals and medical devices. And That's cool. So can you guys tell us the story of how you met? <laughs> you tell it better than I do. Yeah. So we were actually in the same dorm our freshman year. It was a co-ed dorm. And, uh, but funny enough, we met in chemistry class and we started talking in class. And one day um, we just kept talking after And, um, I was walking back to my dorm and he just kept walking along and I get to my building and he's still there. And I'm like, okay, this is a little weird. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I get into the elevator and he does too. (laughs) Hit my floor and he doesn't hit any other button. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is getting really weird. But we just kept talking. (laughs) You pull his mace out. (laughs) Well, it turns out he actually lived across the hall. Wow. From me. So yes. And from there we were, we were friends for a few months and then started dating toward the end of the semester. Mm -hmm. And how did you guys get to go on your first date? Did someone ask somebody out? (laughs) <laughs> our first what date was, was actually, date? well, it was supposed to be that movie that one of our one friends of our, in the yeah. dorm room kind of invited himself to. 
Wasn't it his idea to go to begin? No, it was mine. No? Okay. Yeah. So we went to see Lion King in, in IMAX. <laughs> the oh, three of you. The three of the us. The three of us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he bought like his own. I mean, we got our tickets together and then he was like, oh, I got it myself a ticket too. So. <laughs> that was fun though. Uh, was that our first date? Was, yeah. Yeah. And then kind of from there. We would often go to the to Sweetwater's Donut. It's a donut shop in, mm-hmm. in town. It's open 24 hours. So we'd, we'd go at two in the morning or, you know, whenever. And to, so, study. to study. To study. So that was one of our favorite things to do. Were you guys yeah. in the same class together? Classes together? We had the chemistry class. We had okay. that together. The initial, that was, the initial science classes, uh-huh. chemistry and math. And then he veered off to engineering and I veered off to the science micro. Yeah. I thought her, she had a roommate named Gail and they put the name tags on the doors in the dorms. And to be honest with you, she, to me, went at the time looked more like a Gail <laughs> and her roommate looked more like Kristen. <laughs> and so I don't even remember when this was maybe a month into school before we had started really talking to each other a lot, but I, I needed to print something off and I didn't have a printer. I didn't want to go all the way to the computer lab or wherever. So I just, I just knocked on their door and went in and asked them if I could use their printer. And I think I used Kristen's printer. And as I'm walking out, I go, thanks, Gail. And she's like, um, I'm Kristen. Is that before or after you guys started talking? It was before. I, okay. I think it was before. Okay. Yeah. And I still didn't remember you. From <laughs> how, how long before you guys knew you were a couple? It wasn't that- until, it wasn't until really the end of the first year, I think. Yeah. When we really kind of realized it. Yes. Cause I think we, you know, we had some, some kind of breakups in the first few months after first year ended. And then it was pretty much the end of summer when we really started dating again. And then did you guys break up about differences, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and part of it, I think even as the topic is here, stemmed from our cultural differences, really. That That's interesting. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Yes. So, um, so what about them was the sticking points? I think we grew up very differently. Not only are we different cultures, but Ben's father is a pastor. I also grew up Catholic. So they're very similar, but again, not so much. Yeah. For our listeners, maybe you guys can clarify, you know, what cultural backgrounds you, you come from. Oh, right. So I am Mexican. Both my parents were born in Mexico and came to live in the United States in the 70s. So I was born here, but grew up speaking Spanish, going to Mexico and all that. I grew up in West Michigan uh, in a pretty conservative Christian household. As Christians, my dad was a pastor. It was obviously very much like a lot of a lot of other people in, in the United States, how they grew up, I guess. So our I views, like- our views on on religion were different on practicing religion. Obviously I coming from a more conservative background, I was, I was still very much, uh, it was, it was a very important part of my life at the time still is, but much, much more than we had difference in opinion on you know a lot of things, including like sex before marriage and drinking was a big thing for mm-hmm. me. And so it, those differences kind of, I was, it was a struggle internally with me. Well, it was mm-hmm. internal and a little bit of external pressure as well. External pressures from, from, yeah, my parents. Mainly. So in the beginning, the religious differences were bigger than the cultural differences. In a way. Yes. I, there was also just another outright or anything like that, but there was also a kind of an adjustment period, even within his family that I was probably the first minority and Absolutely, for yeah. any of his cousins or siblings or anyone had yeah. dated. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was, that was kind of big. I'd say at the beginning. So, so it's almost a year before you guys are like, okay, we're a couple. Maybe, maybe six months. I think before, I think Ben was kind of like, okay, yes, I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> and what was it about the other person that you fell in love with? Her smarts, her intelligence. <laughs> I could tell right away that I could carry on a meaningful conversation with her. Yeah, long, I agree. Long for conversations me, yeah. and it wasn't, it, it was natural and it wasn't you know, forced. We um, played games a lot. 
competitive competitive game. game. She's very competitive. <laughs> I'm not competitive at all, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I would say the intelligence as well. We we really kind of got to know each other a lot with just communicating and talking and kind of about everything. And that's I think when at first we started really talking about how we saw things differently and how everything came up. But I mean, from the very beginning, I knew he was a very intelligent person and fun to be around. He's very kind. How did did you guys navigate those early big topics like drinking, sex, those kind of things? I think we kind of just like jumped in them and (laughs) dealt with it after. And in some cases, the fallout from it. But I, I know like the initial thing was drinking. I grew up drinking with my family mm-hmm. and it was just kind of very it was part of the normal. culture it was part of the culture right. yep it was very normal and obviously in college there's some of that and so that was kind of a big no for him at the beginning and was that because you know growing up in a conservative type of environment it was like I mean like footloose type of conservative you know where you can't drink at all it's it's completely frowned upon He's a little bit too young to probably know. No, I'm sure everyone knows Footloose. No, I get the reference. It it was close. It wasn't, it wasn't completely nothing, you know, Mm nothing. We didn't drink at family outings. My parents didn't drink at home. Until you guys all left. Until they do now and not a lot, but a little bit, but. What were some of the messages you got about drinking? This was my choice, but I was part of a program that in, when, I, when, I was in, when I was in high school, I was part of a program that went to middle schools to talk about drinking and drugs and premarital sex. And it was very based in the Christian belief to, to abstain from all of that completely. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we taught. And we taught not just, we didn't teach safe sex. We just taught abstinence. Mm-hmm. We taught Um, obviously until you're married. Right. 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 We taught no drinking at all. You know, the dangers of, of alcohol abuse and, and drug abuse. I don't know if I did it because I really believed, you know, that's, that was the right thing to, to do. Or if I think my parents wanted me to do it. I don't know. Obviously I believed some of that. It, it stayed with me into my first year of college after I, matured a little bit and realized that, you know, some of these things, you know, aren't like evil, you know, it Mm -hmm. it was like a, Mm -hmm. um, you know, something that I just wanted to push away from, but it, you know, really not that bad. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I, I grew up very Catholic religious and the, the grade school I went to was a Catholic grade school. Everyone was white. Everyone was married everyone was middle class. And like when I went to high school, that, that was where I got my culture shock. Like, Oh, these people are out of control. You know, there's different everything here. And and it is a really big adjustment because when you're a kid, you only know what you know. Right. So how was that, that just going to college, not even the relationship, but just seeing all of that. College was, was not, I mean, you talk about it being a culture shock. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that much of a culture shock for me. It was in the same town that I grew up in. My high school was very diverse, public high school. I I had a lot of friends at college from high school and people that I knew. So it wasn't that big of a culture shock. Did to they me. also share your values? Uh, a couple of them. Okay. Yeah. Your close friends did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After a freshman year, I moved into a, a house with a lot of my close friends. And I think we all just kind of grew up and matured and became college guys. And it just just loosened up, a loosened bit. up. So you had a foosball table. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you know? <laughs> we did. We had a uh, we had a foosball table and we had a uh, double decker couch in the living room. Oh, cool. That was pretty cool. <laughs> Is that like loft bed? I, I've never. Yeah, so it was, it was, it was a couch, a double couch on a loft bed. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so so how did you? You know, so obviously during the first year, there's this like negotiation that's happening between the two of you, right? You know, because you guys are coming from very different types of backgrounds. Right. And you have different views about these very important topics. So 
you know, what were some of those conversations that you guys were having? Well, I think one of the first ones, like even when we, I think, broke up the first time that you were kind of hardline on these issues, like it was black or white with them. And not that they weren't important to me, but it just it wasn't the most important thing for me in a person or in a friend or, you know, anything like that. And I remember one of the first conversations, I think at the time, too, you kind of grew up and at that stage in your life that it was like dating to kind of be serious Right. So one of the first conversations and I still remember this and we still kind of talk about it in the breakup was that because of these things, because we were different, I wasn't he said I wasn't someone he could see himself marrying, Mm -hmm. you know, because at the time these were so important to him Mm -hmm. that it wasn't. And I mean, and even that that was, I think, you know, the, the main breakup. And even after that, we just kept talking and kept talking about things and. Um, you know, made me realize a little bit of why they were so important to him. And at the same time, him see that maybe it wasn't everything that mattered. Yeah, it was a, it was an internal struggle after years of conditioning myself, you know, thinking that, um, you know, that these things are are black and white, as she mm-hmm. said, and, and they can't these rules can't be broken. You know, she made me realize that these things aren't as important as as having a great friend, mm-hmm. you know, they were not absolute. They're yeah. not absolutes. Right. Developing a relationship with a great person is more important than holding the line with, mm-hmm. with these things that I thought were truths. And to a lot of people they are, and I'm not saying they shouldn't be for some people. And if I, I still, you know, if, if people want to live their lives that way still and, and grow up and save themselves and, and just, you know, that's fine. But I learned that it wasn't the end all be all that I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Now, during this time where you, you kind of made mention of some external pressures, right? So were, were you getting any messages from parents, from family, you know, given the fact that, you know, Kristen is, is a different minority than the families used to, right? You know, what kind of messages were, were you getting? Specifically related to her being uh-huh. a minority? Yeah. I could tell my parents, mostly my mom was more hesitant with it, mm-hmm. with, with being okay with it. Mm-hmm. We had, we had one friend that tried to talk me out of dating her several times. And I specifically come, for that reason. Yeah. I've now that we've come to know him a little come bit to more. Know him a little bit more. Yeah. He's, he's, I don't know how to say it. I don't know. Possibly racist. Yeah, and <laughs> pretty much. Clearly, yeah, yeah it, it's clear to me, you know, looking back on it now. And he had mm-hmm. interactions with Kristen as a friend. He was friendly and he was he was fun to hang hang out with sometimes. But in private conversations, he would be like, you know, it's a sin to he was Christian. Also, he, you know, it's a sin to marry somebody from another religion. At that point, it was uh, I was past the struggling stage in my in my journey Mm -hmm. to know that it was complete bs what he was saying to me and to him i i didn't begrudge him at all if that's if that's his feeling but come on man don't don't tell me that i can't marry her because Mm -hmm. she's catholic and that was what he was passing it off yeah so that's what he was pat that that was a front i think right but what was it like for you did you know about it all i mean did what i tell you about about those conversations then? No, it was after, I think. I mean, I felt it. We weren't ever close, but I don't know. I, uh, as weird as it is, it just, it was just part of a normal, if you part will. Part of a normal. I mean, yeah. you know, in, in Lake Zurich, there, at the time even, yes, we weren't the only Hispanic people, but there wasn't mm-hmm. that many. Um, and unfortunately, that just has always been there, you know, just. Hmm. So it wasn't shocking, really. Mm-hmm. I, it's that's very interesting hearing about that because when Jean and I got married, I received a lot of pressure from my family in the opposite direction. Yeah, right? it was reversed. It was totally reversed. Oh. Right. Yeah. You know that even two of my cousins who I had asked to stand up in the wedding, they actually refused. And, wow. and he doesn't have brothers and they were as close as brothers. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Right. So there's a lot of pressure to marry a, a Persian you know, woman, which I'm half Persian. Okay. They didn't. They didn't mention anything about a, you know, a Filipino though. 
you know, so I don't know why they just stress it. Because <laughs> your anyway, parents were Because right, I'm half Filipino. <laughs> parents were mixed. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. but I think your mom took a lot of heat for that as she well. Did. Right, right. And, and she was really understanding. And I remember her coming and taking me out to lunch and saying, you know, don't take it personally. It's just how they are. Right. And I kind of felt like, well, they don't really know me. So. Right. She took a lot of heat in that she would deflect a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. when they were together like, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. His, okay. Because the rest of your dad's siblings are all married to Persian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. 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 And actually, I, you know, and you would have thought that my parents had more of a problem with it. And it never came up mm-hmm. in our family. Yeah. That all of us actually are married to non-Hispanics. I have five other siblings. And it was ne- it was never brought up with my parents as to why we're not dating another Hispanic. I, I have two sisters and... One of my sisters is married to mm-hmm. someone who's Mexican. The other one's Guatemalan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and so, my <laughs> sisters are married to white Caucasian. Yeah. Males. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in, in your nuclear family, it was fine. It was more his extended family, his aunts okay. and uncles and cousins. Right, right. right. And, and his cousin that he was very close with came back about two years later and apologized. Oh. Mm-hmm. That, that one that was really hurtful. Right, right. Yeah. Did he attend your wedding? No. He did not. He didn't even come. Nope. So... It it sounds like you, you know, Ben, you had to do a lot of kind of soul searching and, you know, really kind of wrestling with a lot of messages that you were taught growing up and trying to find a kind of redefine, yeah. you know, a, a new kind of normal for you. Yeah. I mean, I learned that I didn't have to do the things that I thought and hold such a hard stance on some issues to be a a Christian, to be a good Christian. Mm -hmm. And it, it felt, it felt good to just kind of let go of some of those things because I, I learned that they're not, they're not really helping me be a better person anyways. If, if it was gonna hold me back from being with Kristen, Mm -hmm. what am I doing? Mm. So What's it like the first time you attend her family's parties? <laughs> <laughs> so, when, so this the first summer we were together. Was it the first summer? It was the first Your summer. Your brother Paul graduated from high school. Yeah. And she took me back um, to, for his graduation party. It was the first time I was there. And before then, I had told my parents a little bit about him. I'm bringing a friend home. And, you know, one of the things I told my dad was like, he doesn't drink. You know, just letting you know or whatever. And With, <laughs> within 15 seconds of walking in the house, he's offering me a drink. Why doesn't he, why doesn't he want a beer? Ben, come on, have a beer. Come on. It was, and I, I felt very awkward having to. Yeah, you're trying to like, 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 like get, get along and you're like, yeah. oh, I got to reject right off the bat. Yeah. See, see we didn't know this right. and we actually offered you a drink within 15 <laughs> seconds of coming seconds. down here. Exactly. So. No, and my, and my dad definitely knew that because I had told him it was kind of his way of teasing and, yeah. and poking him. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. But yeah, I don't, other than that, my parents were hesitant at the beginning just because it was a guy that I was bringing home from college. So mm-hmm. I think that was the extent it's of it. It's always awkward. Wait right. till you guys get there. We've had that with <laughs> our kids and it's so weird <laughs> when they I bring someone imagine. home and you're like, because you're like the parent then. And right. Like, yeah. No, I can imagine that. Yeah. So that was the extent of their kind of hesitancy with, with Ben. And, and the food. Yeah, it was great. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> like his family, like they don't have things in their house like butter or ketchup. Oh, no. Anything like that. They just, it's all, yeah. It's all parents. very different, you mm-hmm. know. Uh-huh. And then one time we were sitting around and and his his sister had gone to her husband's sister's house for Christmas. She's like, they had lasagna for Christmas. <laughs> and then his other sister's like, Billy's family had lasagna for Christmas and Ray's like, Jean's family had lasagna for Christmas. And we're like, white people food. White we didn't people. even know that was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it, can you guys talk a little bit about what was going on in your lives before you met in regards to relationships? Yeah, you know, I had a number of, of girlfriends through high school. And one in the summer before high school or before college a little bit, I, I had two quite long relationships in high school. Both were about two years. The first one ended up dating one of my best friends for 
maybe six months or a year. And it was, it was kind of weird, but it was fine. Did the relationship end because of that? Did they get no. together? Okay. Wait, did my, did my relationship with her end? Yeah. No. Okay. No. Did they it, date first or did you and her date first? Me and her dated first. Okay. I and wrote, then you ended and then she. I ended right. on Valentine's Day. That's apropos. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what the timeline was. He, they started dating later on that summer, maybe. They're married now. Well, no, this was, this was Jason. So this was. Did you break up with two on Valentine's Day? No, no, no. Danelle. Oh, Danelle. Right, right, right. Sorry. Danelle and Jason <laughs> dated after Danelle and I dated. Jason and Danelle broke up and he's now married to her cousin. And then after they broke up, one of my other best friends, uh, Cam, and Danelle started dating, and they're married now. <laughs> Small so town. I'm, I'm and, that, yeah. <laughs> and we wish them all well. Yeah. So uh, I roomed with Cam and a bunch of other guys in, in college, and Danelle was looking for a roommate, and Kristen was looking for a roommate, and the two of them and another girl lived together for two or three, three years? Three years. Three years. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of cool. I mean, we remain really close to this to this day and we're, we're really close with them. That relationship and then the next relationship I was in was a little bit more involved, I guess you would say. I mean, as you grow older, you kind of learn and you live and you you fall hard. You know, it seemed like through high, through high school, I was I always had a girlfriend for some reason. It, it was, you know, not there wasn't much time there that I wasn't dating somebody. I went to college without having a girlfriend. So it was like the first, almost like the first time in my, since I became a, an adolescent that I was kind of free. And so it allowed me to kind of do some, you know, focus on school for one, and then just kind of, you know, think about who I am, what I wanted to do, introspection, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just, I had one, main boyfriend in high school for about two years, the last two years. I broke up with him right after senior year. Kind of, I knew we were going different places for college and just kind of didn't have any plans to be with anyone. Those are, so. tough, those are tough times of life. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I also came into college without dating anyone and no really plans to. I really, my life plan didn't involve getting married until in my plan, well, after 30, it's funny because we had three kids by then. <laughs> <laughs> so it was completely, completely different. I, I was on path to go to medical school, kind of all that. This was just my life plan and it all changed just not because of him, but just in college. And then because we were dating and our relationship did change. And mm -hmm. so how long were you guys dating before it got really serious? You know, engagement, I guess. We dated our entire sophomore, you know, started dating after our freshman year into our sophomore year. Mm -hmm. I would say it started getting serious that year. I mean, we didn't talk getting married. We didn't until... talk about getting married then, but I mean, we were, we were pretty serious at the time, I, right. I would say. It, and then um, we started really talking about getting married probably the summer before our senior year. Of uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's young to be talking about marriage, right? It was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was very young. We we got engaged the summer. No, fall. The fall after Chris and Gret. No, the fall after our junior year. Mm -hmm. We're married the, the summer after Chris and graduated. I had one more year. So it, we dealt with, you know, dissent from both of our families. You know, yeah, I can imagine because you guys are young. too young. Yeah, so we're so yeah. young. Why did yeah. you guys choose that to get married at that time? I don't even know. <laughs> we just thought it was the right thing to do, right? I mean, we, I think so. Like, yeah. Why wait any longer? Yeah. It, it seems like both of your cultures kind of support finding a partner and having that connection and loyalty and um, definitely commitment yeah. more than sort of dating around because both of you have very limited dating experiences and mm -hmm. found each other young and had those kind of values. Definitely. Yeah. As an adult, she's the only partner I've ever had. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know any different. And you talk about having dating, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know if we didn't get married and stay together after college. I don't know what, uh, how would I find some, you know, how would I find a girl 
<laughs> working at, you know, working at engineering firm. I don't go right. out to bars. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I would have found anybody. Wouldn't have been on Tinder. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, so thankful we didn't have yeah. to deal with that. Maybe subconsciously I knew that my future self wouldn't have been able to find a partner. And so I better lock this one down. <laughs> <laughs> I like to tease him though, because in his dorm room, he had a poster of Jennifer Lopez. So I said that he was always just into Hispanic women. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so how do you, um, you're in college. Do you, did you have a ring when you proposed? What was the proposal like? I, I juked her out. The week before I proposed, I actually took her to the beach and had, we had a picnic on the beach and I, I didn't I actually had the ring with me. I had bought, I had got it that day and the plan was never to propose to her at the beach. It was just to go have a date. I thought it was going to happen. And then she thought it was going to happen. I think like, we had talked about it already. Uh -huh. And we actually she picked her ring out and okay. we went together to pick a oh, ring wow. for her. Okay. So um, you so knew it was, was coming at some point. We knew point. at some point. Yeah. yeah. We had yeah. talked to my parents and his parents actually a few months before. Just did, kind did of, you do that together? Or did you go we talk actually to her did dad? Go together. together. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I asked her dad, you know, hey, you know, there's something I want to talk to you about. Can we go, you know, out for dinner? And he suggested, you know, let's uh, let's all go. Kristen's mom went and So he knew what was said, coming. Okay. Yeah, he knew. My parents got married also very young. I think my mom was twenty. They, the conversation was good. I don't think they tried to talk us out of it necessarily, but there was, there was definitely some caution. Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest things there was that when my parents got married, my mom's um, dad did not agree. And for the first few years of their marriage, they did not talk. Um, and that kind of hurt them. And so one of the comments my dad said is that if they said no, they knew I was going to do it anyway if I wanted to. And right. so they didn't want to cause that rift or anything mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And that if I thought I was ready, then that they would support it. Yeah. And I, not to like give ourselves a huge pat on the back, but like we were, we were pretty responsible too. I mean, mm -hmm. we were just finishing college. We had promising careers on the horizon. They knew we were responsible. I don't remember having to really convince my parents and your, I mean, your parents that hard to, to let us get married. Mm -hmm. They kind of both, both of them realized we were at, you know, we were at the point in our lives where we were mature enough to know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know, maybe we weren't, but. So it, it, it <laughs> we was still a, pretty young, but. It was a pretty similar conversation with, with your family then, with your parents. I don't know. Did, I don't, I don't, I don't recall I a there. specific conversation. I think. No, you weren't there. I think uh, we definitely had a long conversation about it and it was, it was, uh, yeah, similar. Yeah, it was similar. Mm -hmm. It was similar. Um, my dad was very supportive. My mom was a little bit more hesitant just because of our age, mm -hmm. I think. Um, at that time, um, it took a, it took a while, I think, just because she didn't know her that well, but I, I think at that point she was very comfortable with, with Kristen and, and loved her, but yeah, it took, it took a little bit of convincing, but not, we weren't fighting over it and mm -hmm. it wasn't like a long drawn out, mm -hmm. you know? So you're on the beach. Thing. Does it happen? No, we, it, it was the next week. It was the next week. So I had set up with my friend Cam. I had set up. It was, an, you know, that art in, exhibit, like the blown art, mm -hmm. like Chihuly. Okay, so Kalamazoo yeah, Institute of Art had an exhibit, and I I asked Kristen if she wanted to go to see the the Chihuly exhibit, and then we'll get dinner across the town square afterwards. And we go to the Chihuly exhibit, and she's not feeling well, and she's trying to rush me through the whole thing. And I've <laughs> I was I've, just in a bad mood. <laughs> the plan was the plan was to have a boombox set up on the stage in Bronson Park in downtown Kalamazoo with a song, you know, ready to go what as we were song? walking through. It was Elvis. Well, first it was Shakira. It was a Shakira Spanish song? Spanish music, yeah. Okay, as we're walking through. <laughs> and then it was, uh, our song is um, Elvis, 
can't. What, Fools Rush In. Fools Rush In. <laughs> I always forget the name because it's the main part of the song is can't stop or can't, can't help, help. on mm-hmm. in love with you. But she wanted to get going and I had to stall a little bit at the art exhibit because I had prearranged Cam. It was going to set up, has set up the song at a specific time. So it worked out, I think, great. She was a little, a little annoyed that it took me so long to get out. You know, to leave there, she wanted yeah, to get to the I was, restaurant. I, I was not very fun that day. When, when you were at the beach, were you let down? Yes. Totally. Yeah, what, totally. were you, what were you thinking at the beach? Well, I thought it was. I thought he was going to propose. It was. That yeah, would've, it would have made a good setting. It would have been nice. No, but it was fun. It was fun. So then he did. He did propose in the park, and he had our friends waiting at the restaurant. And actually, he had my younger brother come up from or go over from here, Lake Zurich, and my best friend throughout high school, Matt. So he and my brother went. And they were at the restaurant. Yeah, to celebrate. And obviously everybody there knew mm-hmm. what was going on. Yeah. So, it, it, yeah, it was good. That was our, yeah, so that's our engagement story. <laughs> and how long from that point till you get married? Well, we got engaged in October. October 6th? Yeah, I think so. We got married August 25th, the following year. Now, originally we are going to, or we had wanted to get married in Mexico, and we got a lot of pushback from your family on that one. Yeah, we did get a lot of pushback. Because they didn't want to travel down there? Or? Yeah, I guess. They just didn't want to have it down there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you guys decide which religion to have the ceremony with? We actually, we had it at the campus Catholic chapel. That was just, just off the of campus. It was like the student Catholic church. But Ben's dad did the message. Okay. And the priest also spoke Spanish. So he did part of it in Spanish. Um, And we did parts of the traditional Catholic ceremonies, like, um, especially in Mexico with like the rosary and like these coins and um, so. The lasso. The lasso. Yeah. So we did a lot of that. That's very cultural Mm -hmm. in Mexico. Sorry. And, and then again, we brought his dad in to do, to do the main message. So we tried to kind of Bring everything. Incorporate everything. Yes, yeah. to go incorporate everything. Yeah. Did you guys live together before you're married? Nope. I was um, living with with our friend. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was over all the time, especially his best friend was my friend's boyfriend. They actually ended up getting engaged a couple weeks after we did and got married the same summer we did. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yes. So they also just had their 12 year anniversary. So you walk down the aisle and get an apartment? We had an apartment before we before the wedding. We had an apartment together. I moved in maybe like, like a two month, months. I think it was two months. Okay. Two yeah. months before Christmas. And it was kind of funny. It was the first time that when I was telling my dad and that we were moving in or I was moving in and everything. And he's like, oh, he said something about Ben. I was like, well, no, Ben's, you know, not living there till later. And my dad's like, why? Like that's, <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> I think I was, I think I was living, living back at parents. home with, at my parents. I think I moved back in with my parents and. I didn't, I didn't see a need to rock the boat because I knew they they wouldn't have they wouldn't have approved of mm-hmm. me moving in with her mm-hmm. before. There's so you've already graduated. You have a year left. Do you guys stay there? We did yeah. for a year, okay. and we year. we we didn't know he was going to have a year when we initially started <laughs> planning the wedding. Gotta love college. Sorry, gotta <laughs> love engineering degree. Exactly. It was the, yeah. the way the the classes he had to take them that it ended up extending out to yeah to a year after so yes we stayed there until may and then we moved to schaumburg right after how did you guys decide that it was you know kristen wanted to move back to the chicago area and i kind of did too it's not home to me but it's not it's not so far and i actually early in my childhood grew up in northwest indiana so it was in the area more in the area than than michigan Mm -hmm. Also, the job market had a lot to do with it. There wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot to be found in in Michigan. What I was looking for, so you know, we decided quite early on that we would be that we would live there. I think I don't know. I don't know when we made that decision, but probably about the time we got married, mm-hmm. we decided once I once I was done, we would look look to move back there. So well, how do you, go ahead. I was just saying, what what was that like? You know, living together for the first time. What kinds of um, challenges did you guys face? I don't remember anything big. I don't either. It was it was kind of 
Yeah, I don't. Really. <laughs> it was fine. I really don't. Yeah. Not that there weren't challenges, but uh, nothing sticks out in my in my mind. So it was, it was pretty seamless for it was the pretty two seamless. of you. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. And so, how long after you were married did you guys have kids or start having kids? We uh, two was, years. Cole was born just. Yeah, so Just August two 8, years after we got married, and we would have been yeah two years at the end of the month. So a year after you moved to Schaumburg. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you guys deal with conflict? Could be Not better, well. I think. Not well. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, I'm very passive aggressive, and I think she is too. I think it. That it must be kinda, fun. It just kind of builds and boils over. You're not so much the aggressive part no, of it, more than more passive. passive. And yeah. I will, and because I don't get a response, I kind of pick until I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I realize that. And we're, we'll talk things out after, but I think sometimes we let it go to an argument that maybe shouldn't. <laughs> Again, if he, if he doesn't respond... So something that I will just keep, I mean, I know I shouldn't, but yeah. So, so just a little secret, healthy couples and unhealthy couples fight the same way. Oh, Ooh. yeah. They call names. Mm. They, they yell, <laughs> they yell. slam doors. Oh, perfect. The <laughs> only difference okay. is what happens afterwards. Right. Right. Is that yeah. they make repair attempts and they find resolutions and things like that. And so. they take responsibility for their part in the argument. Yeah. Right. I think we both. We both do that when we realize we're in the wrong. Mm-hmm. I think, I think both good it's, with it's been recognizing that better. I'm in, I think for the last year and a half been doing therapy just myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has helped me and how I can communicate better because, uh, as I was told for such an extrovert, I'm a terrible communicator. <laughs> <laughs> saying a lot of words, but not really saying not really exactly the what I you should. need. Right? Yes, I tend to, and that's where the passive aggressive comes in. I tend mm-hmm. to kind of keep things deep, but then lash out kind of thinking that he should know what's wrong, but not really telling him. I, I need I need information to be telegraphed to me very explicitly. Mm-hmm. Like I, on a on a whiteboard or yeah. something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Diagram. And I think yeah, he should just know charts. what I'm thinking. I'm not real good at what? picking up hints. Yep. <laughs> Can't read that uh, aura. Right. Kristen, <laughs> uh, you went through a very invasive medical, you know, procedure at some point. Yeah. Right. I think you were telling me this, and yes. it was just it kind of floored me. At what point in your relationship did this did this happen? Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. This was 2015. February is when the surgery was, but it kind of came up in the fall of 2014. So um, I guess we were married for eight years at that point. We had three kids. Uh, our youngest was just a little over a year and a half, maybe. Um, and I started getting migraines and that was kind of the biggest thing, um, to where I couldn't function for, I mean, I'd have him come home early or my parents come help. Well, I'd get home from work, even if I'd get home from work early and, and she'd have been laying, you know, she'd have put herself to bed already and she was out for the rest of the night. Couldn't, with couldn't three little kids running around. Yeah. Right. I would yeah. kind of shut him in the room with me. Mm-hmm. Just do what I can to yeah. sometimes. Yeah. So that was pretty horrible. And then I did, I did see a doctor and. And it resulted in needing a a brain surgery. And so it was planned. Thankfully, it wasn't an emergency or anything like that. Um, And one of the biggest things, I guess I, I, we did have a choice of not doing anything, but then there was a, there was a chance of a brain bleed, which mine showed signs of our having already bled some. And they also said if we ever wanted to have any more kids, which at that point we weren't sure if we were or not that I would need it, um, that I would not be able to have, that it was actually kind of a big deal that I had three kids and mm-hmm. nothing happened. What, what was it that? It was a cavernoma or an AVM part of it. So it's a, it's essentially a, a, a blood filled sack and it was in my left temporal, my speech center, pretty mm-hmm. much what it was. So I had to, I just had it removed. Yeah. So th- one of the, one of the things that we noticed with her when it was getting really bad is that she would f- she would just forget word, like what word she was trying to say. Mm-hmm. She'd, she'd or throw out random words. Yeah, just throw out random words. She'd be she'd want it. She'd want to ask me to get her a blanket, and she'd be like, you know, hey, can you give me that towel over there or something even mm-hmm. more random than that? 
The lawnmower. So that's yeah. It. Yeah. It was in uh, Wernicke's area in the brain. And they call it sure. word salad sure. when you're right. just throwing out different yes. words. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So did you so get a pretty nice haircut? Um, yeah, I had, I rocked the like <laughs> side buzz. Sweet. I did. I was like the suburban mom with the funky haircut. <laughs> no, I mean, and to me, I'm, I'm very science background. I love it. Um, so it was very, definitely very interesting. I was awake tell during the, it. Yeah. Tell them the details. Um, about the they, I had to, I had to be awake because it was in my speech center. They had to make sure that they weren't going to ruin it or injure it. And actually the initial surgical plan was to go right through it until he realized that my speech hadn't been mapped um, and that we needed to do that before the surgery. So the night before my initial surgery, he called and was like, we can't do it. We need to we need to do this extra MRI to map everything. Um, so they did. And the interesting thing there, which I, I never even realized, was that they mapped my English. And they said, we only map one language, so we don't know what it's going to do to your Spanish. Oh, wow. Because apparently it's not necessarily in the same spot. <laughs> That's interesting. That's so yes, and it, it's fine. It was fine. Did but, you have the same issues with Spanish with the words that you had with English? Um, No, actually. No, not that I can mm, think of. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, not that I can remember that now. That is very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no, it was, it was a very obviously scary time but at the same i mean everything turned out okay um so, was so a, you're sitting in a chair and um yeah i was laying <laughs> yeah i was i was yeah laying and i i, I was kind of covered it was all it is very gray's anatomy like where it's like a dark room and just a spotlight that you can kind of see i thought that was all just for show but no cold yes yes it was very cold yeah. and so i do remember everything i remember being closed up i remember they showed me a picture of my brain because I asked to see it <laughs> as she was laying there <laughs> as I was getting oh, having surgery like like a video of it or I know uh, because I picture. wanted I was like can I have a mirror like is there a mirror that I can watch wow. and they're like no but the anesthesiologist was like but I can take a picture selfie and show you. so yeah pretty much <laughs> the ultimate selfie, ultimate right, selfie there. Yeah. right there you should have had him send it to you he didn't know, send it to no, you? No, he didn't. You should have yeah, that frame. I know. <laughs> I know. No. So it was, I was very fortunate. I had. Uh, so are they talking to you during the Yes, surgery? they are. They're showing me flashcards. They're showing me um, as they're kind of touching different parts of my brain. And, and tell them, didn't, weren't there cards that were like, it was like a bicycle or scissors and I, or something. Like when they were touching certain parts, I didn't no know idea. what it was. Yeah. And then they take it off and then I could say, like, it was, it was amazing. It was incredible. Wow. It was just incredible. And then unfortunately, after I did have some complications where they actually, let me go home the day after the, the day after wow. from the ICU. Outpatient. I went home <laughs> pretty much. Yep. Yep. They basically said something surgery. about a room, yeah. not having, I don't know. So I went home ridiculous. on a Friday and by Monday I was back with um, brain swelling. Mm. So I was in the hospital for another, know, another five days, another five days yeah. after that. So it was kind of trying with yeah. the kids and, mm -hmm. yeah. but there we had my, both of our families, Ben's mom came up to stay for a week really. And then my mom kind of took over after that. I actually had his mom come right after because my mom's kind of more of a coddler and I didn't need that <laughs> right away. <laughs> Whereas Ben's mom just got things done that needed to be done. That's funny. Like his mom, if she's getting something done, she wants me there and not her kids. Right. The same reason. <laughs> right. They're like, they're too yeah. emotional. They're too, exactly. Right. No. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So then my mom took over after, but and then you had another baby after that? We did have another baby after that. Mm -hmm. So it was good. Yeah. So we we waited an, a whole year at least, right? A little bit more than a year for you to be completely yes. medically cleared and yes. know that everything's okay. And then... What was that like for you, Ben? It was, it was scary. Yeah. Going, you know, what, you know, going through the whole thing. But I knew it was, it was the right decision to make having the surgery. And so it was just we got to do it. And we picked a really good doctor and, and he, he made us feel at ease. You know, he, he talked about the surgery being like a piece of cake as far as brain surgery goes. And so that kind of put it as, put us at ease. I don't know if it really was, I mean, brain surgery is brain surgery, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, my coworkers were really good. My boss was really good about, you know, allowing me the flexibility, you know, um, with hours if, if I needed to, if I needed to be home and 
Yeah, it's some of the There's, harder parts were the conversations before with like the living will and kind of talking oh, about yeah. all of that. Just having yeah, to face that, was, that reality. Just having like, to face that and discuss what we would want and what, what ifs, and, what I would want, and uh, yes, and making sure he'd do it. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if it ever really hit me how serious it was. Mm-hmm. Thankful that you know Could we got through worse. it, and 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 that she had the the sense to know something was wrong. Yeah. To go get it checked out, mm-hmm. you know. What were some of those tough questions on the living will? You know, one was just of if anything did go wrong in the surgery and, you know, just all of those, like if you're depending on the state you're in, what what to do for care afterward or not to do. Um, and I think that's I am very, very adamant about not being just on machines doing nothing there. Mm-hmm. So which I could imagine would be very hard for whoever had to execute anything, but that was definitely very, very important to me. Yeah. I never allowed myself to kind of face the reality of that possibility, Mm -hmm. you know, beforehand. I just, I tried to stay positive and just think about what it was going to be like when it was all said and done and Mm -hmm. she's fine. And yeah, he was kind of reluctant to talk about all that. <laughs> I would imagine. I, I just, but you know, and I'm know also I'm like really... big proponent of, you know, organ donation or my body does not need to be buried anywhere. So if science needs it, take it, you know, kind of things like that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where we differ a little bit. Did, did you do anything in a way of preparing anything for your children in case anything happened? Like for myself? Yeah. Did you write letters? Or? I did not. I couldn't. I thought yeah. about it and I just, I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't do that. <laughs> I couldn't go quite that far. Yeah. Hmm. So you guys have four kids. Yes. How often do you guys get out? Just the two of you. <laughs> not, not very often. You're not. here now. <laughs> we are this here is, now. Yeah. This, is, uh, this is like date night, huh? Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Yes. Like, Does this yes. count for our anniversary date? Pre, I know, this is pre-anniversary. It. This is it. Right? Because tomorrow I think we're doing... We'll, we'll play your song and a bit. you guys can dance. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, you guys aren't going out tomorrow night for anniversary? You know, it's our um, daughter's ninth birthday on Wednesday after. So I think we're all going to go out together. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> we'll have to talk off microphone about that. <laughs> it's really hard. My parents watch the little kids now. Well, now it's only one. Um, mm-hmm. And we don't really have yet kind of a babysitter that we go to. It's always been my parents. So I, it's always been a kind of feel bad about asking them to watch them on a weeknight mm-hmm. or we, weekend night when they've already had them all week. So we kind of yeah. just do what we can. Yeah. I, we don't get out that often. Once a year, maybe. <laughs> right? Once a often? year. All right. Yeah. So here, here's a question for we you guys. Went out, we went out last year for our anniversary. <laughs> we did. But then we did go to San Diego in November. Just so, the two of us. So yeah, besides sure. like getting out and going somewhere, how much quality time would you say you guys spend together over a course of a week? And to define quality time. It is time that the two of you spend without other people, okay, conversing without any screens. So no TV, no computers, no phones, right? No distractions. <laughs> so this is a like almost constant topic of conversation where us, yes. mostly Kristen, but we both agree that we need to spend more time. It's, it's almost, it, it's very, very little. It's if we happen to go to bed at the same time, we'll talk. And it's maybe 15, a little bit before. A lot of our conversation happens during the day via text or while we're, you know. So is that just logistical though? Like no, we, the kids are. It's what's this. going on th- throughout but we, the day. We, said, we have some conversations over that. Uh, yeah. We have a lot of good conversations via text. But not, yeah, it's 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 okay. during the day when it comes up. Um, and then the after the evening, the kids are there and we just survive. Survive <laughs> every is a good evening. Word. <laughs> survive the evening. And, and then, then generally it's, just, it's me. I then I'm off to bed. And but, Ben tends to stay you know, up watching TV and when you do stay up though, it's it's we're both we're both on our phones, yes. you know, in the living room. You most, text each other at least. Day. <laughs> no. <laughs> so just just point, for listeners out there and for you guys too, a little bit of information. John Gottman, who is a leading researcher in couples relationships, 
found that healthy couples spend a minimum of five and a half hours a week of quality time together. And so that's kind of like the number that people should shoot for, mm-hmm. right? It, it's kind of an ideal, mm-hmm. yeah. right? But it, it's, it's a good number to tuck in the back of your head, you know, to kind of compare yourself to. So. No, definitely. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's been recently, it's been a bigger topic. I think that we've, we have discussed of how we can make changes to do that. I would say that's probably the number one thing that we see in the couples we work with. Mm-hmm. When we ask them that question of how much quality time, they all say none. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'll have kids and they all find a way to shift that. And if you want a role model, my mom and dad had nine kids. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. And when I was the, the first seven of us, by the time she was 30, she had seven. Oh my God. And they went out, we had babysitters and they went out at least every other week. Right. I know. Crazy, right? The yeah. babysitters one babysitter in, for all seven of us. The right. babysitters are in therapy right yeah. now. Oh, sure. They're, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is, it is something that I do want to make an important and between us. Um, yeah, we both do. I, we just have to do it. You know, when you're plugging and chugging, it's not so bad. It's if there is a conflict or something big that comes up. Right. And then you, you, there's nothing to withdraw to from. Nothing to pull yeah, from. Because there's you nothing know, in the account. Yeah. Here's a question for you guys. How would you say your relationship is similar or different to your parents' relationships? I, you know, on my part, I think, and this is kind of why this has come up, because I don't think my parents put that time in before when we were growing up as well. There were six of us and they are now, you know, don't have anyone at home and they are definitely very disconnected and just not really where they should be as a couple, especially in, you know, the end of their years or their marriage and everything. And, um, it is very sad to see. Mm. And I do realize that was, they were so busy with everything else that this is kind of where they're left after all the kids are gone and they're mm. not distracted by that. So, so their, their main focus was the kids. Absolutely. Yeah, my dad yeah. was working and my mom was the kids. And mm-hmm. so are you saying your guys' relationship is similar to that? I see it going that way if we don't change things. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Uh, my parents, uh, my parents have had a great relationship. Obviously they've worked through their issues, but my dad is very in touch with re- relationally. He has been a relationship counselor for years and I think, you know, they, they're very good together and they spend a lot of quality time together. They're both retired now. I don't know. I, I think their relationship is something that I would want for us. Mm-hmm. Not every aspect of it, but I think that is a good example for us to follow. So yeah. I don't think we're quite like either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We? But we want to have our own relationship. And I think I think we need to yeah, be more be more proactive in spending that quality time with each other. We do a lot of saying we should do this instead of just doing it. Doing it. <laughs> Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Shoulda, coulda. That is one thing my therapist is like, you need to stop saying we should. We or should, I should. We should like, stop say, saying let's that. Let's do this. Or, you know, let's do this. We should stop saying that. <laughs> we should. <laughs> you know, we, we don't really like change as people, you know, and so it's just easier, more comfortable to keep doing the same thing. Right? Yeah. But change is always awesome. Every time someone does Absolutely. it, they're like, why did I wait yeah. so long? You know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What are some of the unwritten rules in your relationship? So unwritten rules, uh, I'll give you some examples here. Some, some couples, for example, they don't, they don't go out to the bars without each other. All right. Some couples, they, they don't have any opposite gender friends, for example. Right. And these aren't like, you know, they haven't talked about it and said, you can't do this or you can't, but it's something that they do in order to kind of show respect to their partner. I wouldn't say either of those. I mean, we, I, I guess you could say it's an unwritten rule because neither of us go, well, no, I mean, we do, we do go out. I mean, you'll go out with your friends. So I, that's not a, I don't know if we have, <laughs> I, I mean, obviously we, really, we have some, but yeah, maybe they're just unexplored. Do you guys, sure do you guys some. have any of that in relationship to taking care of the kids? Like who's supposed to do what or mm-hmm. anything? Yeah. Not really. I think we've always just both done whatever needs to be done. I think it's silly that I feel this way, but I've been very fortunate and that he's been very involved with his children as it should be. I've seen, you know, from just 
people I'm surrounded with or I've seen that it's not always like that. So that is something that we treat everything, every household, every thing that has to do with the kids is. I think we recognize that if one of us is left with all the kids for a long period of time while the other is out doing something fun, that when that person comes back, it's their turn. It's as, their turn. As you're pointing to her. I see. <laughs> do, do you guys sleep in the same bed? Yes. Yeah. With kids? No. no. Congratulations. <laughs> not saying they've never been there. Right. But yeah, not as a times. habit. Yeah, no. not, yeah. not as a habit. Not as a habit. No. That's a good one. Our bedtime is actually really short. And with the kids, it's okay. It's bedtime. Brush your teeth, put them down and we walk out and they more often than not are good to go. And so it's bedtime from start to finish is like five, 10 minutes. And we hear like, like it, to me, it's like a horror story. Friends at work that have, you know, have to fall asleep with their kid on the floor, reading them a book and they're in there for an hour and they wake up at two in the morning in their kid's bed. Oh, they created that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Our kids go to bed very easily and stay, you know, anytime that they try to, when they're sick, they can come into our bed, Mm -hmm. but then they're, they're very smart and then they try to do it. Two nights in a row. <laughs> right. But we're very okay with them crying for a little bit if that means that they need to stay in their bed. So I'm I'm glad you said that because it isn't just a cakewalk just to get them to, to train them to do that. Right. No. Mm-hmm. So there is a process. And, there is a process. You know, to me, I think it's three days. You know, if, if you have created really bad habits with your kids, yes. you know, the first three days, they'll probably scream bloody murder. Yeah. But then they adjust. And then they good. adjust and yeah. then they're yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really had to go through that when we were going to go to San Diego in November. And Eleanor at that point had started waking up at night, maybe once or twice. And um, normally we could deal with it okay. But when I was traveling, um, that it was just Ben and she was doing it, the easiest thing would be to give her a bottle. Because mm-hmm. that would get her to bed. But then she obviously then wanted a bottle every night. <laughs> <laughs> and Ben's parents were going to be coming for a week. And we're like, we can't have her be getting up. A couple times a night for them, like we just can't. So, so we dealt with two or three nights. Two or three nights of her just screaming. Then we just dealt with it, and then she was fine. Yeah, keep that in mind, everyone. Two to three (laughs) nights. It's two to three nights. Two to three nights. No more. Everyone can survive it. Yes. We we actually ask that question of all the couples that come and see us is Mm -hmm. whether they sleep in the same bed and whether there is a child that sleeps in the bed too. And we find that that it it's very reflective of how connected the couple is to, right? I mean, it it impacts their relationship together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What does your partner do that you know that they love you? He does the dishes. <laughs> she hates the dishes, especially if <laughs> if there's a if there's an old if there's some leftovers in the fridge and it's like a week old. She just the thought of opening that container. No, I think he knows how important it is for me to be equal in things. And I, you know, this going back to the main topic here, I think really reflects with how I grew up in our Mm -hmm. Mexican culture to where it was a very, very divided male, female roles in the house. And, you know, I would have to make my brother's beds and clean up their dirty clothes wow. <laughs> growing up. Wow. So, you know, that was, that was huge for the, me later. The machismo like, culture. It is. It yeah. is very much. I mean, and even now, and my dad does it more to tease me now, but we'll go over to their house and I'll be sitting down and Ben walks in the kitchen. I'll be like, get up and get your husband food. And I'm like, he can get his own if he's hungry. <laughs> do, do you see that with your aunts and absolutely. the older generation? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that. Yes. Oh, absolutely. My dad would say that he'd be, you know, growing up, he'd sit at a table and there'd be a water jug in front of him, but he'd have his sisters serve him a glass of water. So, and it was, it wasn't as intense with us growing up, but it was still there. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I, you know, we did a lot of cleaning and my brothers did the outside work and, you know, kind of things like that. So I think Ben knows how important that is to me. And we really do split everything up in the house and he helps and he, you know, did everything really that he could with the kids. So that's for, huge. For Kristen, I think it it's a lot of things, but the one thing that kind of sticks out in my mind is the effort she's put forth in fostering the relate her relationship with my parents. And I think she probably talks to my mom on the phone 
for sure way more than I talk to her on the phone, but she talks to her maybe once a week, once every other yeah, week on the phone yeah. at least. And that just shows me how invested she is with me and my family. And that really shows love, you know, for me. Well, Chris and Ben, we want to wholeheartedly thank you guys for joining us on the podcast today. Oh, thank it you. It's really wonderful to hear your story. And, and we hope that that is able to help a lot of people out there. We get wounded through relationship and we heal through relationship. And we've been telling stories since the beginning of time to, to bond and to heal. And we hope that you guys sharing your story has enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners. Thanks. This was really great. Appreciate it. For all of you listening, if you have any questions or topic suggestions, please, again, feel free to leave a comment or look us up online at couplesynergy.com. Until next time. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Kedkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Kedkodian, along with Organizational Director Calvin Javier and Marketing Coordinator Bridget Reese. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.